Today's scripture reading is John 1, 14 to 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, as in closest relations with the Father, has made him known. There are two words in the English language that scare me more than any others. Um, Can you guess what those are? Uh, Those two words are small talk. Small talk is one of the most terrifying things to me in the world. I I wish I could adequately express to you the type of mental energy it takes for me to engage in small talk. Uh, And it's not that I don't like talking to people. It's just that I'm so bad at it, right? Like it's, uh, God has given me gifts as he has given all of us gifts, but, um, (laughs) engaging in small talk well is not a gift that I have. So it requires a lot of energy for me to do that. That's why, right, like if we're we're at a party, if we're, you know, kind of outside at church, I love being side by side with a person who's extroverted, right? Someone like like Pastor Matt or, or Steve Fretwell or Randy Young, right? Like those are guys I know if I'm with them, they're, they're great at the small talk and, and getting to know people. So I know that if I'm beside them when I'm meeting somebody, it's a sigh of relief for me because, you know, I'm not going to steal their thunder by, by being the one to talk all the time because they love to do that and they do it well. And they're also not going to make me talk, you know. And so to me, that's a great combination. Um, small talk is very hard. I, I, feel, I feel very exposed when I'm trying to engage in small talk. I feel like I make everything awkward. I don't know how to end the conversation. Um, and I, I just feel like when I leave uh, a conversation of small talk, I envision the other person going, what is wrong with this guy? And so for, so for me, that's, that's, that's a big thing, right? Like engaging in small talk is a big thing for me. Now, you're probably asking yourself, as I have asked many times, and I've asked God this question, if that's the case, Lee, if that's the case, then why on earth are you a pastor? That's a great question. I, I don't have a full answer to that other than I believe that, has, that is what God has called me to. Because to do this, I have to engage in small talk, something that makes me feel vulnerable, which I know for some of you guys that's crazy. It's like, oh, it's just small talk. But here's the reality for me. I, I, I believe that is a form of vulnerability for me because something like this, like speaking to you or speaking in front of a, a big group of people, I have zero problem with. I, I don't get nervous about it. You know, I don't know if it's because it's mostly a one-way conversation. But if you gave me the option, Lee, you can either speak in front of a thousand people that you don't know, or you can go sit at a table and have coffee with three people you don't know and have to engage in conversation. If those are my two choices, I am picking standing up in front of a thousand people I don't know and speaking to them every time. That's always my preference. That's always, to me, that is just easier. And so, and I feel like that's one of the gifts that God has given me. And so when I don't feel like that with the small talk, 
I kind of have to leave my safe space, right, to engage in that. I have to I have to leave, you know, we kind of all set up these things, right, these safe spaces where we feel comfortable and secure in the things that we can do. And so when we leave that, it is this sense of vulnerability that we're opening ourselves up to others. Now, the reality is, if I'm called to, to be a pastor, which I, which I believe that I am, then I have to engage in small talk. Because here's what, here's what happens. If, if God has called me to do that, then what he has called me to do is to share the gospel and to equip people within the church um, to live in such a way that honors and glorifies him. So in order for me to do that, there has to be a level of trust, right? For, for those of you, if, if you're listening to anything I say, or, you know, especially as the family pastor, if there are things with your kids that I'm trying to, to, to let you know about, resources I want to give you, there has to be a level of trust for you to listen to that and for you to take the things that, that we're trying to equip you with. In order for that level of trust to happen, there has to be some type of relationship. It doesn't have to be like, uh, right, like we're not, we're not all best friends and, and, and that's fine, but there has to be some level of relationship for trust to be there. And in order for the relationship to be there, there has to be conversation. And at some point along the way, small talk was a part of that. And the crazy thing is, as much, as hard as it is internally for me to do that, I know it's necessary in order to get to where I, I, I believe God has called me and our church, and that is to be helping you out, especially as families, and, and to be showing how we can continue to raise our kids in a way that honors and glorifies Him. And so that's something that I have to do, but it requires me to be vulnerable, and I don't love being vulnerable. None of us do, right? That's the reality. Um, we don't love being vulnerable, but I think we would also admit, like, the greatest things, and honestly, some of the most painful things, have come from times we are vulnerable. And so when we think about this idea, like being vulnerable to connect with other people and to reach other people, I, I especially think about the four names on our Your Four card right now. Our Your Four card. got to enunciate that properly. In order for us to have the connections and the conversations that we want to have with people about faith, there will require us to be uh, vulnerable and opening ourselves up for, for possible rejection, uh, possibly being laughed at, possibly people just not wanting to have anything to do with this. But Christ calls us to that, right? So the, the things that he has called us to when it comes to, to sharing our faith and living in such a way that honors him, by its very nature, there is vulnerability involved with that. So, if we have to do that, what do we look to to give us strength to do that? And so what I want to talk about today is that we look to Jesus for that strength, to be vulnerable, because he was vulnerable for us. We're in the, the book of John. We started this series a couple of weeks ago called Come and See. And so we're going through the book of John. We're in chapter 1 today. Uh, and I'm going to pick up where Pastor Matt left off last week. So we're going to be in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. Now, if you have a digital Bible, paper Bible, whatever form of Bible you have, let's, let's open it up to John chapter 1, uh, and, and let's dig in. So John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. John is one of the four Gospels in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. And the Gospels are stories about Jesus' time on earth. Okay, that's what the Gospels are. So when we're reading through that, the very first thing that we need to ask is, is not, what is this saying to me? But as we're reading through the Gospel about the life of Christ, we need to ask the question, what is this saying about Jesus? So that's what we want to start with. What is this text saying about Jesus? So let's check in verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. That little part right there, the Word, that refers to Jesus. Um, the past couple of weeks, Pastor Matt has, has broken that down and, and shown how when it says the Word, it's referring to Jesus, right? So if you, if you missed those, you can go on our website, check out those past couple of sermons to get a better understanding of, of why we know we're talking about Jesus when it says the Word. But it says, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now we are told that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now we don't fully understand the gravity of what that means for Him to make His dwelling among us, other than we had this idea like Jesus was, was in heaven with God, and so He came to hang out for a little bit. But for the people that John was writing to, they would have been very, very familiar with what this meant, they would have been able to connect these dots because the, the literal translation for made his dwelling among us is lived in his tent among us. Now, for people who were in John's audience, they were very familiar with the Old Testament. So that would have started like, things would have started pinging right from that point because they knew about how God had allowed his presence to exist in the tabernacle, in the tent, to be able to communicate with his people, to be able to speak to them. And so what John is now saying is that, okay, God spoke to you in this kind of like sense, but now God is becoming much more personal, right? God is, is, has chosen to dwell among his people in a much more personal way in the form of Jesus. So the word became flesh and came as a human to live on this earth. Now, he, understand he was fully human, but he was also still fully God. But that's what he did. That's what God chose a pers more personal way to connect to his people. So all of John's readers, or the people who were listening to John, would have known this, right? And so he continues in verse 15, talking about John the Baptist. John testified concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. So John the Baptist had, had his disciples, people who were following him, but all the time, John the Baptist kept talking about, there's this person that's coming, this Messiah is coming, like this is who I'm talking about. And so when Jesus comes onto the scene, John the Baptist says, this is the dude, all right? This is the guy that I've been telling you about. This is the Messiah that we have been waiting for. And when he uses this phrase, 
He who comes after me has surpassed me. So John's time on earth started before Jesus' time on earth. But as we saw earlier in chapter 1, Jesus has always been there. So Jesus is greater than John. So John's even telling his disciples, like, listen, I'm not the guy. Jesus is the guy. Right? And, and that's, again, that's just a way that we need to remember that we're supposed to be pointing everyone that we meet to Jesus, that our lives should point to that. It's not about us. It's about Christ. And so now, John establishes that, right? Okay, like, hey, the word dwelt among us. This was, this Jesus, this is who I'm talking about. So now we go down, and we're going to spend some time on verses 16 through 18, because what we see here a lot is grace and truth. And so this is going to be very important to help us understand, uh, one, the vulnerability of Jesus that he showed by coming in flesh, and how that impacts us in such a way, and how it has changed history. So let's look through verses 16 through 18 again. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Now there is a lot in this. There's a lot in this. So first, let's, let's break down verse 16. Out of his fullness, talking about Jesus, right? Because Jesus is fully God. He's fully human. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now, in the Old Testament, God gave the law to Moses. And so that was the first kind of form of grace that was given. And so what it's saying now is, is this is not God telling somebody about, uh, about his words, right? God told Moses his words, he spoke to Moses. Moses wrote it down. They had the law. God is now saying, like, this is my word, like, my words taking on human form in Jesus. So John's readers would have instantly connected this whole Old Testament thing because they knew that Moses was sent from God to bring them the law and to help them kind of understand that, that they were God's people. And so now God is saying, this is so much more than that. Jesus it's not just somebody that God's talking to, but he is God made flesh. And so there's a big difference there. So it's, it becomes more about, well, we've heard about this. We know Moses talked to this guy, but now they're seeing God, right? And so now the, the grace that was given in the law, now we have such an abundance of grace that this grace in Jesus and in Jesus' coming to earth has surpassed anything that the law could do. Because with Jesus, there's... There's an abundance of grace. It's not as though like you, you take some grace away from him and then you kind of lower the amount he has. Like it's overflowing. It's always there, the grace that he has for us. And we're going we're gonna to see through this. Verse 17, the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now this phrase grace and truth is huge. If we're going to fully understand the importance of what God has done and how meaningful it is, um, and how he has set up the order of this world. We've got to understand this grace and truth and how they're both fully connected. The glory of the Son of God, that's what it talks about. And, you know, his, his glory, we talked about earlier, is full of graciousness towards sinners, that's me and that's you, without compromising truth. That's a hard line to walk. 
right? Because a lot of times, you know, as believers um, in churches, you see, we tend to kind of either do like, well, I want to be gracious to people, but also want to hold tight to God's truth. And we kind of like pit those against each other, which makes zero sense. Because when the Bible talks about Jesus, it's that he's full of grace and he's full of truth. So to trade one for the other, that's not how God does things, right? He's not trading one at the expense of the other. He's not saying focus on truth so much that you're just rude to everybody or focus on grace so much that you ignore the sin that is in people's lives because God does not ignore sin. We need to understand that God does not ignore sin and God also deeply loves his creation and that's us. And the fact that Jesus came down full of grace is huge because in all fairness, he could have come down as like a judge and executioner and been like, all right, everybody that's not living up to the law perfectly, not following God's standard perfectly, you're all guilty and you're sentenced to eternal punishment. And that would have been everyone. Okay, it would have been everyone. That would have been me, that would have been you. But he did not come that way. He came, he became flesh to reveal the glory that is full of grace and truth. The word of God had to become flesh to be fully gracious to us, and he had to become flesh to be fully truthful and keep God's truthfulness intact. In order for this grace to come to us, there was a cost, a huge cost. As we talked earlier, like if we're, if we're vulnerable with others, there, there's a cost in that, right? Like that, that could kind of come back to bite us, and we understand that. So with Jesus coming and giving us the grace that he wanted to give us, there was a cost. And it was his life, right? The, the cost of it was Jesus' death on the cross. Because... He had to become flesh in order to die. And that's like, what's happened? What are we talking about? He had to become flesh in order to die. So why did he have to die? He had to be human in order to die as God's replacement for us. So in other words, like back in verse 14, the word became flesh because he had to become flesh in order to die that his death will be possible. That's why when we look at the cross, it is the most beautiful thing we could see because it had to happen in order for us to have salvation. The fullness of grace was on display on the cross where Jesus died. And the reason that it had to happen that way is because of grace and truth. Because here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty. Please don't miss this. God is gracious to us and true to himself. And I want you to think about that and about what we're talking about today. God is gracious to us and true to himself. So so here's what that means. When Christ died, God was true to himself because God has said throughout Scripture that sin cannot go unpunished. So if that's the case, if sin cannot go unpunished, someone has to be punished for our sin. So because Jesus comes to die, God stays truthful in that. He shows his truthfulness through Jesus' death. And when Christ died, God was gracious to us 
because Christ bore the punishment instead of us. I mean, think about that. Think about that. He's full of grace and full of truth. God made this work perfectly. And and that's what the gospel is. God looking at us, seeing our deep, deep need to be rescued, knowing that we couldn't do it ourselves, knowing that he had to be true to himself and what the holiness that he has established and wanting to be gracious to us, the only, only way it could have happened was for Jesus to take human form, live a perfect life on the earth, and die a death that we should have died. And then he rose again so that not even death could defeat him. That's what the gospel is, that God saw us, loved us, kept his truth, gave us grace, and made both of them work through the death of Jesus. And this shines brightest, this glory shines brightest on the cross when we think of how God has reacted to us as sinners. And so when we talk about being vulnerable, right, we understand, like, again, talking about leaving our safe spaces and, um, and struggling with, with the difficulty of doing that. This is, Jesus is not calling us to do something that he hasn't already done. In fact, the crazy part is, like, like being vulnerable is hard. It is hard. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat that at all. It's hard. It's hard for us to do that. But if we want to have deeper relationships and more meaningful relationships, that is a necessary part of it. And so when we think about for Jesus to be vulnerable and for him to come to earth, his wasn't a question of, is there going to be pain? His was, I know by leaving my safe spaces and by being vulnerable, I am going to my own death. Jesus knew that. And he did it anyway. Now, for most of us, our vulnerability will not lead to our death. I mean, I guess there's a scenario where it could, but most likely that's not what's going to happen. But what it will lead to, it will lead to both victory and defeat, right? That, that's, that's the reality of it. There are things, there are people who will have problems with the things we're talking about. There are people who will rejoice in the news that we're trying to share with them and want to follow Christ. But what God has done is promised to be with us through that. He's calling us to do something that he has already done, and we're not even going to the same level that he is. And so when we think about, man, like, I, I, don't, I don't enjoy being vulnerable because it's hard, because people will see me as weak. And so just let, let, me, let me talk to that for a second right now. Um, we're still kind of in this global pandemic. I mean, luckily there's, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, so hopefully it won't be too much longer, but we're still in this. This has been a hard year for everyone. Everyone has struggled this year to some degree. Every single one of us. So if there's ever a time for you to be vulnerable and for it to be easier to be vulnerable, it's right now because if we show our weaknesses and talk about our struggles and the things we're going through, most likely what you're going to hear is, yeah, me too. Me too. And I remember for me when, when kind of the shutdown first happened, um, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't all bad for me because as an introvert, like, I was okay with some of the things, right? Like, I, not, not with everything. I didn't like that the world was kind of shutting down, but, you know, doing the work from home thing, all those types of things, I, I enjoyed. Um, and so as time went on, 
things began to wear on me. And so I kept trying to like, uh, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll be strong, right? You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a pastor at a church. You know, I can, just, I can just push through this. And so things kind of began to add and add. And so there, kind of, there just became this bitterness in my heart just towards people and just towards life. And I tried to keep all that because in my mind, I'm like, I can't, I, I can't talk about this because I need, I need to be leading in this capacity. And the breakthrough for me didn't happen until I admitted to my wife that this was kind of leading me towards depression. That this time, right, the, the opening up and shutting down and just not being able to live life the way that we wanted to live life was getting to me. And so in order for me to get past that and get past that bitterness and just that, that depression, like I had to open myself up and tell my wife, right? This, this is my wife who, you know, I, I've swore to protect her and to take care of her all of my days. And so now I'm having to tell her, like, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm struggling right now. Like, this is, this is hard. This is not what we want life to be. I mean, even now, like it's been, I think next week will be a year since we've been in church. I don't want to be preaching to a camera online right now. I would love more than anything to see your faces in this room. And that's hard. And that's hard for us because as pastors, like we, we love seeing people here. We love connecting with people. We love worshiping with people. And to not be able to do that is very difficult. And that is a struggle for us. Like at times, it, it, it has been... Like borderline, like I said, like depression, maybe some instances even that far. And so to be vulnerable and to talk about those things, it is hard. But as soon as I started talking to my wife about that and talking to some other people I trusted, like it was so freeing and allowed me to get past that thought of what's going to happen because it got me to the other side. And as I'm reading this, this passage, I'm thinking, you know, Jesus opened himself up to people. Jesus was vulnerable with people, and what happened? He was crucified for, for us, right? For our sin, he was crucified. And if Jesus had chosen to reject vulnerability, if he had chosen to reject coming to earth, you and I would still be dead in our sins. We would have no hope of salvation. We would have no lasting joy, we would have no eternal security and comfort that he is with us in the hard times that we're growing through. None of that. But he chose that. So when we decide that we're going to be vulnerable, we are following the example Christ has set for us. Not in order to earn his acceptance or him doing something for us, but because he has done something for us. Because see, when we're vulnerable with people, we can talk about this time that we're all going through and say, listen, I can't promise you there's never going to be another thing like this. Right? I can't promise that. Now, I mean, I, hopefully there, there never will be again, but I can't make that promise. But what I can promise is that God saw us and was so gracious to us that he sent Jesus to take on flesh like us, to go through the things that we go through to take our place to bring us salvation and has promised to be with us, to never leave us, to never forsake us, regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of our circumstances. 
So my question to you is, uh, and for me too, like, are we willing to leave our safe spaces and be vulnerable with people who we want to share the gospel with? And not be so worried about what they're going to think or how they're going to look at us, but that we are so focused on Jesus that we have no choice but to live that way in a way that honors and glorifies him here and now, right? If we are focused on Jesus, we will be focused on other people because that's what he did. We'll be vulnerable for others, knowing that there is a cost to it. But think about the result. What's the result of Jesus being vulnerable? Our salvation, our chance to one, be with him for eternity, but also to have someone with us even as we're going through these hard times. So will you take that chance? Will you step out and be vulnerable for the gospel? And for those of you who are not believers, I I just want to tell you, I, I, I want you to understand what God has done for you. God's truth, his standard is perfection. We all fall short of that. His truth will not change. I don't care what our culture says. I don't care what laws are passed. God's word is true, and that is final. But he loves you so much and is so gracious to you that he said, you know what, I know you can't do this, so I'm going to do this for you. He didn't say, hey, you got, you got to work your way to come get up to where I am. He said, no, I'm coming to you. I'm going to provide salvation for you. So if you're not a believer, I would encourage you just to think about that. We would love to talk to you about that. Um, send us a note, click on the, the connection card over here in the corner and, and let us know that's something you want to know more about because we believe that that is the one thing that can transform our lives and to understand that our circumstances do not dictate what Christ has done for us. So as you go this week, look at that list. How can you be vulnerable with those people in a way that honors and glorifies God and points them to him? Again, all this happened because of Jesus' death on the cross and resurrection. And so now we're going to come to a time of communion. As we think about, we reflect, we remember what Christ has done and how it has resulted in an opportunity for our salvation. We want to give him glory. And so we think about, as the Gospels tell us, how Jesus sat with his disciples And he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. And he took the wine and he looked at them and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are full of grace and full of truth. We thank you that you were vulnerable for us, knowing what it would mean and that it would cost you your life, but knowing that it would result in our opportunity for salvation for those of us who have placed our faith in you. We thank you for that, Lord. God, as we think about the names of the people on our list and how we can minister to them, Lord, and how we can share our faith with them, God, help us to be vulnerable where we need to be. Lord, and help us to point 
everyone to you and let everything we do, that we are so focused on you that we have to do things that make an impact in this world. God, let it all be for your glory. In your son's name I pray. Amen.